0: What you have here is our 2019 Home Alone quick review from our Patreon feed. We are releasing it on the main podcast feed for everyone for a limited time because it's Christmas at the end of a rotten year. But we also got each and every one of you a present. And this week's main event episode is all ninjas all the time. We have a trilogy of canon films. Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja and Ninja 3 The Domination. None of which are follow ups to each other. And you don't have to have seen the movies, in fact, it's very hard to get hold of them. But this is one of the most fun times we've ever had recording, so when we were done, I just knew it was for a special occasion. This is what we're using it for. We will see you then for that, and enjoy this hour long discussion on the now 30 year old classic. Okay, Home Alone. For this quick review, we went to the polls. We asked you on Patreon and on Twitter, which of four Christmas movies should we cover in a half-hour quick review show? And the other three were The Nightmare Before Christmas, which almost won. And as a result, we're going to do that next year. There was also "It's a Wonderful Life," which, on reflection, we just saw it again—the the, recolorized version, which is actually really good. It brought that whole film to even more life, and we actually suggest you track it down. It's not like the Ted Turner in the '80s colorizing of, of things.
1: Mm, I think there's a colorized. No, I can't think. Of we watched the, film, uh, the, the, the
0: Vincent bad. Price.
1: Was that yeah? House on Haunted Hill, and everything looked awful.
0: Yeah, and it was like this just seems wrong, and we. Yeah, that, that that is not one we recommend, but It's a Wonderful Life. The colorized version is actually really good. <laughs> uh, and we're going to do a main event show on that one again next year. But there was also Jingle All The Way, which uh, didn't get a huge amount of votes, but I think we're going to do it at some point anyway for fun uh, again, possibly next year. But Home Alone, the surprise smash hit of 1990, the movie that laid down a thousand kid power copycats, where grown ups got custard pies in the face and got knocked over by big dogs, was the winner. And we could almost <laughs> do a main event show on this one, too. As well as being hugely influential, it's a great film to look at, thoroughly festive, with an impish sense of humour that ensures it's never too sickly sweet. It's got an amazing cast, John Hughes writing a story set in his beloved Chicago. It has a John Williams soundtrack, and it's directed by Chris Columbus at his most Spielbergian, to the point where if you showed someone this and Spielberg's most Columbusian film hook back-to-back and told them they were directed by the same person, they might well believe you. And not content to let us burgle this Christmas house senseless alone, frequent and distinct voice on the New Century Multiverse, Matt Ramsey, from some of the earliest episodes of Digital Gonzo, including World War Z and, pertinently, Die Hard, joins us for the first time in a reindeer's age. Hello, Matt Ramsey.
2: Hello. Hello. Good to be back. It is. I,
0: I try I'm trying. <laughs> I'm racking my brains for the last time you were on. I remember you were on that. Uh, the, as soon as Disney acquired Star Wars, we did a speculative show which dated the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I, we were like, ah, oh, it's not going to be J.J. Abrams. It'll definitely. And also, we were like, I was like, it's going to be um, who, who, who was I saying? It was um, oh Matthew Vaughan Matthew Vaughan I was like, it's going to be Matthew Vaughan or nothing.
1: Matthew Vaughn a Star Wars. my yeah. Goodness.
0: I mean, it seemed feasible at the time. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, but then he did Kingsman, and Disney went. Oh God, no! Oh heavens, <laughs> no. washing our hands of you, young man.
0: I still think it could happen at some point, but oh. uh, yeah, let's let's never do a film, a, a speculative show where we talk about what's going to happen next on Star Wars ever again.
2: They have <laughs> said. Uh, an exercise in showing how wrong you can be absolutely be yeah
0: <laughs> although i think that that was also the one where we uh, watched and talked uh, about uh, or included like elements of a commentary for the star wars holiday special which was uh, special god. torture
2: oh dear god <laughs> I'm Having horrible flashback <laughs> now for I those
1: watching that on tuesday
0: that's yes yeah, tomorrow that's, that's, that's tomorrow. fish and chip <laughs> Uh, Treat time. (laughs) Now, for those who remember our Rescuers Down Under, that was the little Disney movie that was at the very tail end of their cat, mouse and dog era. That was launched on the same day as this, November 16th, 1990. It made $47 million in total, but we don't know how much it cost. We do, however, know that that was the film that they invested in uh, for their CAD, computer-assisted design. Yes.
3: Uh,
0: They invested in the tech and it helped for Beauty and the Beast, but it was like... I remember one of the, um, the, the, the makers of the film was told, yeah, Home Alone is a huge hit. The, the mice are dying. Yeah. It's, it's going to be okay. We'll make something else. And it doesn't then,
1: matter how many swooping shots you put yeah. in.
0: Uh, and Disney went on to have their 90s renaissance. Home Alone, however, cost $14 million and made $476 million, which was a lot in those days. It was a smash hit. Second highest grossing that year after Ghost, and followed by Pretty Woman. So, I remember being 10 in 1990 and seeing this thing. So, we're going to talk, what we're going to talk about tonight is why we think it did so well. So, I'm going to ask the first question, just, just to the group. Um, what does it have for kids? Because the second question is, what does it have for grown-ups? So, so what does it have for kids that, that would make kids go, yeah, you know what, this film is okay.
2: It's got a little kid. Yep. But, <laughs> and centre,
0: that, as we found and, out with uh, um, uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, that is not a dead cert. No.
2: It's not a dead cert, but on this occasion, there's a little blonde kid who is absolutely front and centre, and A, not a whiny little... whatever. Oh, we, we are swearing. Yeah, whiny little dick. And also, can actually act. Really, what, really what about old.
0: Jingle All The Way? Well, that also had a kid in it.
2: <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, I mean, from, I was 12 in 1990, so I was possibly a a right at the top old. end of this yeah. Yeah. target audience, but I didn't care. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And I think largely it's because you've got this little blonde kid who is going toe-to-toe with the adults and winning pretty much all the way through, um, apart from the very, very beginning and a tiny bit right at the end. Uh And I think, as an avatar, it's pretty much perfect when you're 8 or 10 or something like that. Um, It's just, what more could you want than... Just a kid showing everybody up. Mm. It's great.
1: He's very canny, I think. That's one of the things that would appeal to kids because normally when they put kids on screen, they are being mopperty and mm. stupid so that the parents and adults can do things around them. And Some yes.
0: kids, when you get them on screen, it's like they don't know what's going on. Yeah,
1: exactly. There's nothing
0: going on behind their eyes.
1: But Kevin is... As you say, Matt, he's front and centre. He is the point of the story for a start. And also, he kind of says to kids do you know what? If you got left, you would probably be okay. Let's let's assume your house isn't going to get burgled. If all you've got to contend with is the furnace and sorting out what fabric softener to use, then you're probably going to be all right. So I, I can yeah. see kids thinking that this was quite reassuring, actually. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, no, nobody else in the entire film really has got their shit together. Mm. His parents are floundering around, just unable to get back from Paris. His family haven't got a clue what's going on. Harry and Marv are just bumbling their way through um, (laughs) empty houses and nobody else. Hilariously (laughs) useless. Hilariously useless. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's the reason it was so appealing as a kid is you've got a kid that's not your typical movie kid. Mm. Um, He's, for me, in my opinion at the time, I thought it it was brilliant having a kid who wasn't Obviously, a bit of a crap actor because mm. a lot of, so so many of the, because they're eight or ten or whatever, so obviously they're not going to be great. But you know, he was just a cut above.
3: Mm.
0: He was in uh, Uncle Buck, wasn't he? Not too long before this, uh, which yeah. uh, again, uh, so that's Macaulay Culkin. Uh, he that was John Hughes, too. So obviously, they yeah, well, that
2: was where this started, was where he's uh, interrogating Buck John Candy through the letterbox. That's basically what gave. That was the kernel of of the idea that then blossomed into Home Alone. Um, I mean, you see a a little bit of replication in the in the the supermarket where he's going, the the, he's answering all the questions back very cleverly instead of asking them very cleverly, and that was basically where it all started. That was what gave uh, Hughes the idea, and then he he wrote Home Alone, which is so
0: he, he pretty much shaped it around Macaulay then.
2: Yeah, Ah. I think I think largely he did. I mean, I think that was always the uh, the he was always the the kid that they he had in mind, um, and that Chris Columbus had in mind, and um, Hughes wanted Columbus to use him, but Columbus wanted to see if there was anyone else out there because he didn't want to just go straight to that kid, and nobody else had the presence that he did, and two hundred other kids or something, Mm. and went, no, it's got to be. Mm. I do
0: wonder what would have happened if uh, Hughes had directed this himself because he he directed Breakfast Club and Planes, Trains and Automobiles and uh, Ferris Bueller and Uncle Buck so it's not like he hadn't been doing a whole lot of stuff and and very deliberately took a back seat and let Columbus do this This
1: feels a lot like all three of those movies You've got the Planes, Hmm. Trains and Automobiles element to... Sorry, all four?
0: Four? Breakfast Club? Yeah Planes, Trains? Ferris Bueller, Uncle Buck.
1: Okay, it it feels less like the Breakfast Club.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, but it definitely feels like Planes, Trains, Ferris Bueller, and to a degree, Uncle Buck. So, yeah. the and I think there is something a little bit Spielbergian about the the casting choice as well, because Spielberg is pretty good at picking um, the, the the child stars that are going to pop that particular yeah. era. Mm.
2: Whether it was a deliberate choice or not, I don't know. But I mean, looking with hindsight, I think Chris Columbus is very, very good at working with kids. And that is kind of at the core of this. If you take the Breakfast Club, they're all, well, they're probably all in their 20s, let's be honest. Yeah. They're playing teenagers. Ferris Bueller's day off there, I think um, Mia Sarah was the only person who was actually a high school age. I think Alan Rook was like 29 or something stupid. Yeah, I think he, was, yeah. he was nearly a 30-year-old man playing an 18-year-old kid. And it's a very different cast to work with and Mm. i think possibly chris columbus directing it he has got a very good way with kids Mm. harry potter films and i think that was possibly what made i I think hughes would have done a good job but i don't think it would have been the smash that it was because i don't think he's got that that spark that connection with kids in the same way
0: hmm okay
1: that makes a lot of sense
2: That, um, Whether that was their thinking at the time, I've no idea, but mm. certainly looking back on it, I think that was probably a very smart move.
1: And Columbus did certainly prove uh, that he had chops when it came to working with um, with younger children.
0: The next question is, uh, what does this have for adults? One for me is that as an adult, Kevin isn't too much of a, of a precocious little bastard. He's afraid at times. There are times, obviously, he's, he screams, which is hilarious, a little too much, but uh, uh, like when he's like a precocious little snot with adults, that's overcompensatory and you can see times when he's actually really quite nervous you know just around the furnace and the, and being left alone and the and, and the, the, the worry about it. and he right. does get lonely yeah,
1: yeah the yeah. layers in his his feelings about the situation are definitely part of the hmm. appeal um, looking at it as an adult I, I will be honest and say that like you Matt I was I just turned 12 when this came out maybe a bit
0: too old right
1: at the top end of the, the bracket that it was meant to appeal plus to plus
0: girls uh, mature faster than boys well, so you're even more mature than either of us.
1: I don't know that it was necessarily so much that, but I wasn't really into slapstick comedy, so the burglary bits kind of fell a bit flat So for the me. whole
0: thing that really sealed the deal for everyone.
1: Yeah, exactly. And couple that with the fact that this was adored by all of the annoying boys in my school.
0: And you were already becoming so I <laughs> a goth stand. who you didn't And want yes,
1: I was pretty much already a twelve year old goth. So that. Really? <laughs> at 12, this had very little for me. Mm. I I was never that bowled away by it. It wasn't until I watched it as an adult with you that I suddenly went, oh, okay, maybe there is more to it mm. than that. And plus the fact Macaulay Culkin then became the annoying child in all the Michael Jackson videos. Yeah, one. Michael
0: Jackson. One Michael Jackson
1: video, but <laughs> like it felt what? like all of them. Protection,
0: the gang's close to nations, causing grief in human relations. It's a turf war on a global scale. I'd rather hear both sides of the tale. See, it's not about races, just places, faces.
1: Where your blood comes from is where your space is. I seen the bright get
2: dull. I'm not gonna spend my life being a color. Uh, <laughs> it did feel like he was in everything. everything he he yes. was <laughs> like 3 or 4 years and I don't think he wasn't actually in that much cuz no. no. Home alone too. Was, Richie was Rich short, but yeah. Um, and not massively illustrious in many cases. Yeah. Uncle Buck and and Home Alone, yes, uh, but then you've got like Richie Rich. I, I I did watch it a long time ago. I don't think it was particularly that yeah. that great. I didn't certainly nothing else really. He didn't hit the big time with anything else. Mm. And then he basically retired when he was fourteen because yeah. he had enough yes. of the whole the whole he, thing. And then that was it.
0: Yeah, he took a nosedive and went through a really horrible patch. It would appear that he's kind of. Out of that at the moment, I think
1: so. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it probably great. would not have helped matters that Kieran went on to get more of a, um, a critically recognised career, yeah. even if he wasn't ever quite the big star that
0: Macaulay was, was. Kieran uh, Fuller yes, in this, yes, yeah. but
1: I mean, he's—I mean, some of the things that he's done. I mean, obviously um, Scott Pilgrim, but the, the he's mighty. amazing in the
0: Mighty. Yeah, it's fantastic in that. Mm-hmm. When you're an adult, there. Is, and you're watching these kid power movies especially everything that came after this there is sometimes nothing more irritating than some little snot of a kid that the movie seems to back up mm. and it's like yeah kids you want this like this kid's cool and uh, you know, if, if they're being flipped with adults and, and they're not charming mm. it's just like oh god I want something terrible to befall this kid and of course nothing ever will because it's there pandering only to the kids yeah. that's where all these yeah. kid power films went wrong
1: a good- Good director can use that. I think it probably the best effect I've seen it done is One Fine Day. The kid playing Sammy is, oh my God,
0: he's. Alex D. Linz was in Home Alone 3 as the, as the kid oh at, at home. Oh,
1: my God. Well,
0: okay. We are not going to talk about Home Alone 2, Lost in Trumpton. <laughs> we are not going to talk about Home Alone 3. We're not going to talk about Home Alone 4. We're not going to talk about the, the canine version, Bone Alone. Yes, it exists. I wish it didn't. <laughs>
1: um, but, yeah, the, the kid playing Sammy in uh, One Fine Day is highly irritating, highly dumb, um, but because he's offset by the sublime... Um, I can't think of a damn name. She's also
0: great in Scott Pilgrim.
1: She is also great in Scott Pilgrim, yes. Oh, come on.
0: Who can Google quickest? Katara. (laughs) Katara actress, May Whitman. May Whitman. May Whitman. The
1: sublime May Whitman. She is sharp, she is witty, and she offsets a lot of his annoying qualities. But that really requires a director with the right hand, and dealing with small children is not always... The easiest thing to do as a director. Do you know who
0: else is in Home Alone 3 with stupid Sammy Parker? Scarlett
1: Johansson. A tiny
0: Scarlett Johansson. Still not watching it. Still not watching it.
2: I've I've never watched Home Alone three uh, or Home Alone four Holiday Heist and I <laughs> definitely do not intend to because they just you just know they're going to be awful don't yeah. you really yes just awful I mean just very briefly on Home Alone two I quite like Home Alone two and I do watch it I've watched it several times it's a bit like Die Hard two in that it's it's good it's just basically doing the same as the first it's one riffing. in not as good a way yeah. in a different setting so it's it doesn't have the same. Impact, it's, but some of the jokes are still there, and it's 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 amusing enough if you've got the family round or something. But.
0: Home Alone Three should have had Samuel L. Jackson in it and a return to form. <laughs> Speaking of which, by the way, I put this down. There, there there are several links to Die Hard. These both films, the original Die Hard and Home Alone, are about truculent gits learning to appreciate their estranged families whilst fending off groups of smug thieves. Plus, there is foot-shredding shattered glass and a neck-breaking stairfall at least. Also, the supportive man who gets to unload his regrets to our hero manages to save his ass at the very, very end. So basically what happened was John Hughes filmed Uncle Buck, watched Die Hard, and went, okay, we can do this totally with a kid. (laughs) It's basically that. Because, I mean, the whole point of Home Alone, especially when you're an adult, is you can see the damage done between Catherine O'Hara, his mother, and him at the beginning when he says some shit like, I never want to see my family again, you're all jerks. And she's like, oh, kids say horrible things. But that hurt. That hurt a lot. And then, like, I hope you go upstairs and, and like, she could really have exploded at him at that point. But she mm. felt it and she thought it and she didn't say it because when you're a responsible parent, you don't say that shit. Mm. But mm. you do sometimes think it. And uh, you. uh so she is dealing with that the whole time. So when she gets really flustered and she's like, you know, in one of the deleted scenes, she's like, I would sell my soul to the devil to get back home. Uh, at the uh, at the uh, the airport desk. And it's like, she's really going through some kinds of shit, which kind of makes John Hurd, now RIPD, mm. um, and his, ah, don't worry about it, the kid will be fine, worse. Because she's freaking out, and he just isn't freaking out enough.
1: Well, I was thinking about that, actually, because, honestly, I think the big problem here is she can't confirm that Kevin is OK. Yeah. And that's where her anxiety comes from. If it was the era of mobile phones... I, this is this is going to make me sound like a horribly neglectful parent but I almost feel like if she could get him on the phone and speak to him and and know that he was okay and
0: just say there's food in the cupboards then, don't leave the house
1: Yeah I I I think that um the the dad's attitude of look if he, if he's not dead yet <laughs> he can probably manage for another night or two would be yeah, also, less yeah, eight, egregious 8
0: years old now is different to 8 years old in 1990 that's 30 years ago mm. Yeah. Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> Expect a <laughs> lot. It of... was only
1: a year or two off being sent down the mic. Yeah, we're
0: recording this in 2019. Expect a lot of 30 year retrospectives next Christmas. But, um, yeah, I mean.
2: Oh, I'm 30 years old. Oh. I, that must mean I'm. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh,
3: my God.
2: It's like you drank from the wrong ground. Put it this
1: way, Matt. I just turned 41. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I turned 41 several months ago. (laughs) Um, Horrible, horrible.
0: But this time around, I did marvel at the... um, I suppose it's like a Rube Goldberg machine of... ...to get them to leave him home alone and all of these mistakes to happen. Mm. And it happens in a way where it's like, okay, so when you're watching this film again, here is what happened to the tickets, here is what happened when they were counting heads. And it's very clearly like, signed for you, and there's very little cheating. They're they're, they're careful about how they do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I never noticed it before, but the ticket... Never thought about it before, but you see the ticket go in the bin. Yeah. And it's even got Kevin's name written on it. Yeah. And that's why they didn't pick it up at the gate, because there wasn't an extra ticket.
0: And they also say, you're just in time for the flight, just sit anywhere, so it's not allocated seating. So so
2: no one knows... Where he's going to be, yeah. and the whole thing, as you say, set up perfectly. It logically okay. The fact that no one rem- no one saw Kevin isn't probably wouldn't happen. But every single element of it makes a, makes sense. Yeah, there's there's no huge sort of um. Sort of, right, suspend your disbelief massively, and we'll just make leave the kid at home. It's logical and it's perfect, and it. That's part of the reason why the film, I think, works so well because no-one sits there and goes, well, hang on a minute, this wouldn't happen and that yeah. wouldn't happen and the other wouldn't happen. And even, um,
1: even the bit that doesn't get examined much, which is the fact that the parents and the kids are sitting uh, in separate areas of the plane. So the <laughs> parents are in first class, the kids are all in coach. And they're
0: dotted everywhere. They're so, and you, don't, is, you yeah.
1: don't go into coach and see the kids. Because and, and, you might think, well, come on, somebody. At least buzz or someone is going to go, hang on a minute, Kevin's not here. However, we have seen the evidence that all of those kids go out of their way to ignore Kevin and pretend he's not there anyway. Kevin,
0: you're such a disease. You're what the French call les incompetents. One thing that makes this very Christmassy and fun, there is a really great, even though it's chaotic, atmosphere in the house on for that first act that first scene when they're all gathering together and all of these traps start to fall into place and all of the tensions start to rise. It's Christmas and it's also going on holiday or vacation if you're American which is like two very stressful and at the same time very exciting things and interestingly it's a lot more stressful for the adults in both scenarios and a lot more fun for the kids in both scenarios. Yeah.
2: But uh, and again, that's the thing. There's so many people in the house. I mean, you've got um, Joe Pesci's character uh, Harry yeah. right at the beginning. And he's going, "Do you live here? Yes. Do your parents live here? No, no. no. Or kids? No parents. It just it just highlights and you're, right. This man has no clue yeah. who belongs to who. It's just people everywhere, carnage and chaos. When I first uh, saw just, it, again, I thought it so, was, so,
0: as he said, an, a fancy orphanage. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, yeah. there, there is yeah. one area where I had to suspend my disbelief quite heavily, and that mm-hmm. is how rich is this family?
0: Well, they just
2: like, spent all their money on point setters well, as yeah. uh, on can, his trainers. I can only assume that the dad. Never, they never say what the dad does or what, yeah. or what, uh, what people. But I can assume he's like a, a, a the 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 drugs king of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the sausage king of <laughs> Chicago. <it's> be. <laughs> maybe maybe he's Abe Froman. Maybe, maybe he took over from Abe Froman or something. <laughs> you don't know, but I mean, it is... <laughs> an enormous house. It it's, is huge. It's it is an, just... I cannot imagine what you'd have to do to earn no. that much money. And We're going to break in there and house. steal
0: their micro-machines.
1: It's an enormous house. They've obviously got enough to attract the attention of two... I was going to say highly accomplished, but yeah. frequent house burglars. <laughs>
0: it's um, a silver tuna. that's absolutely tuna.
1: They've invested in however many seats for the adults in first class, and they've still got enough money left to be able to just go to the desk at the airport and say, "I need to go home immediately. Give me a ticket." Yep. Yeah. The issue is that there are no tickets. The issue is never we couldn't afford to pay that for the. Ticket.
0: Also, that thing about where they all come home at the same time at the yeah. end—that's bullshit. That is absolute bullshit. It would be the other way round where uh, Ke- uh, Catherine O'Hara and Kevin just get on the plane the next day and go to friggin' Paris. I don't
1: know. I don't know how long they were meant to stay there.
0: Well, I, the, it takes her two days to get back. Exactly. But they were not going for just two days. You don't even adjust. Your jet lag's not even gone in two yeah. days. America to Paris, forget about it. Right.
1: So basically, yeah. so the first time they ask, then when they say we could get all of you on a plane yeah. on Friday morning, mm-hmm. and she says I can't wait that long, yeah. that's the plane that they all then pay for tickets to go home on.
0: It. Uh, my point I've is standing. Been
1: killing Kevin. By my this
0: point. point is standing. They've wasted all you the money. on have
1: ruined on a family holiday, Thousands and young man. thousands and thousands and, and thousands, now we're thousands of dollars to, to get the enormous there. house
0: and live in an apartment. You <laughs> dick. There, there'd been but there's been no way they'd come back. No. no. What's, what would be the point? No. They've just spent that money. And that, like That is the enforced, and the important thing is for the family to be together. And it's like, yes, that is important. That's why we're flying two people back to Paris.
3: Yeah. That we're
1: uh, we're going to awesome. get
0: back in John Candy's or van, even, and we're going to drive back to the okay, airport while they play the polka.
1: If we can't <laughs> get a ticket to get Catherine O'Hara back to Chicago, mm-hmm. is there any way we could wire a ticket to the police and get them to put Kevin on a plane?
0: Oh... You know what, with modern day technology we got Home Alone sussed.
1: We do. (laughs) That would be a 20 minute episode. And no movie at
0: all. (laughs) Harry and Marv just break in and (laughs) steal all the point setters.
2: I mean the thing is it, it wouldn't I was saying this to, to my wife last night when we were watching it that it wouldn't you couldn't have it today because yeah. the, the whole thing is predicated on getting up late because there's a power cut oh, and the that's, alarm a, that's more bullshit off. who has an alarm clock it doesn't affect your phone it literally <laughs> doesn't charge it your phone goes oh shit oh a power cut and off you go and you just get ready to normal you know? that's so bullshit as well
0: though happen. because even in the original Home Alone I was like okay so they all slept in because kids are world renowned for sleeping way way later than adults especially <laughs> oh, when they're in
1: scurrying around that house at six in the morning yeah were,
0: were you gonna get up for vacation on that day and you're sleeping in a weird bed made of two couches uh yeah no the, the kids will be up at well, uh, 6 def- a.m definitely
2: gonna be the bed so there's gonna be people up early yeah mm-hmm. that's that's uh that is about the only logical flaw in the whole setup though um <laughs> i think i think um john hughes did worry about that when he was writing it and just kept going over it and over and over, and over to make it as watertight as possible yeah. um like uh, I yeah, said, they I don't really cheat.
0: That. Like you could you could assume that they're all ridiculously heavy sleepers. <laughs>
2: Maybe there was a bit of a carbon monoxide leak from that boiler. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what he was trying to tell Kevin. You need to fix me. I'm dangerous. He wasn't trying to scare him at all. It was just Mm. a misunderstanding.
0: Lyra did start asking, why is Kevin talking directly to the camera? And we said it's kind of like Ferris Bueller, but not quite. He's Mm -hmm. not exactly Deadpooling it. Like, he's not looking at us. But, like, he does clock the camera enough times for it to be a little bit. Yeah, it's
2: subtle. It's a lot more subtle. He's, He's not actually yeah, talking to us. He's talking to himself. Yeah, but a little bit of a nod and a wink. I mean, there's a bit where he's walking along with the shopping. Yeah. and the bottom falls out of the bag. That's exactly and he what just I was thinking. And looks up and just for a split <laughs> second looks directly at the camera, and you know, you know that look, you know that feeling. We've all been there. Like, but that's oh, a growing just, up moment. That's where you realise that the world's going to shit on you. Break the imaginary fourth wall that isn't there. So absolutely. it's yep. absolutely. Totally. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't
1: so much break the fourth wall, but he does kind of flick it a few times. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think that they overplay that, you know, the, the slapping the aftershave on his face. Like, he does that once and it's funny. He does that again and it's like, hey, did you like that bit where he did it before? He's going to do it again.
2: Ah! Yep. Yeah. They but, don't make quite such a big deal of it the second time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not. It. it yeah. But it, it was kind of unnecessary, really. It was. Um, and it wouldn't hurt anyway, because it only hurts when you. That's what Sharon said.
1: Exactly Sorry. what I said. Thank I have. You, I must have
2: very sensitive skin.
0: <laughs> but I mean, like, oh, but th- that we have different aftershave to what they had in 1990. In 1990, it was just pure ethanol. <laughs>
2: It was
0: basically just
1: hydrochloric acid. <laughs> we can... <laughs> well, we already know from uh, watching the Lost Boys that you can use Windex as a replacement. Yeah,
0: so. indeed. <laughs> Plus, uh, the, the modern man just constantly cultivates a beard anyway because we're afraid of, of, of getting our cheeks all stingy. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> because of Home Alone, there you go. They've, they've seeded the fear. Okay,
0: so Joe Pesci and uh, Daniel Stern as uh, the Wet Bandits. Um, at, uh, uh, honestly I think we also have to credit the stunt men who played these guys as well. God yes. Because they took <laughs> appalling amounts of punishment and falls and they were doing things that, to the point where the stunt coordinator was like yeah that's enough. Like I, I know you are ready to carry on throwing yourself backwards to land directly on your collarbone on frozen steps at one <laughs> in the morning and you'd love to do ten more takes but I'm going to say no. This is something out of silent cinema. This is this is Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin. This is uh, the physical comedy of, of Jackie Chan. And you wouldn't expect it from the guy in Goodfellas who was just like, Oh, motherfucker, going to stab you. And, and, and Daniel Stern, the director of uh, that um, little kids baseball film, which I had to look up again. Rookie of the year. Sorry, bar baseball films, not my forte. The reason that this hit so hard, I think was because like you, you got all of this great film leading up to it, and then the end is just like spluttering with laughter. Each and a, each and every one of these, and they're so fucking violent <laughs> that they don't sugarcoat it. It's not like in all the other Kid Power films where god ups go. Argh! I'm being catapulted through the air. Oh, we landed in a greenhouse. In this case, it's like we smashed our heads through the the fucking plate glass of a greenhouse and somehow didn't die. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: They treat them like cartoons. The
1: fact that I still cannot watch
0: the bit with the nail. The bit with the nail. It was rubber. I, I watched the. Uh, it extras. doesn't matter. It, was it rubber.
1: doesn't matter. It's just it, basically as soon as I see a nail going through a board, and I know what the intended yeah. purpose is. When we the rest of it, has already played out in place, my head. place. You went. Oh God, no! Yeah. <laughs> as I, soon as I you I saw the nail. I almost had to leave the room. But yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh. It's just it, It's he it, it puts his foot down. It so slowly and deliberately, mm-hmm. and it's just. Oh, yeah. There's a, kind of, a slight <laughs> squelchy noise, it's just a tiny hint of when you're... Like, oh, oh, God, man, no. please stop, please stop. And then, <laughs> this, again, the scream, the Daniel Stan scream. <laughs> just so good in a horrible way. It's so real. I mean, the man put everything he got into those screams. <laughs> It's just this thing. <laughs> And then he pitches backwards and he hits the floor and it's just like a... Sharon's taken of off her
0: earphone. On. She can't bear to
2: <laughs> You broke her. Oh,
3: my God. <laughs> Continue. I, just, I
1: it's, I can't explain it, but I can feel it. Oh,
3: God, it's so.
2: Right, I mean, of, of all the things, I mean, he's already had the... He's, he's slipped over on the ice and the crowbars hit him on the head and all the is other this things this before after the
0: Christmas him. ornaments? And,
1: this is before. OK. Yeah. But then he gets and, the iron in the face as well, and yeah. he's, got, he's got the iron shape for the oh, rest of the film.
2: He's already had a, quite a few things happen to him, and they're all oh, very funny. Even the iron to the face, which would have smashed his face. It would have broken his skull open like a melon, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all very funny. But then the, just a the little nail, humble little nail going... <laughs> and then, then, boom, <laughs> shit just got real and all of a sudden you then start to feel every single thing that happens Absolutely to you. Like, oh yeah. god yeah. Lyra
0: pointed out the, the bit where um, Harry Joe Pesci puts his head through the door after burning his hand and the blowtorch goes on on the head he holds for a ridiculous amount of time going ah! and she's like just
3: move
0: you've worked out you're on fire Move. <laughs> but again, it's this cartoon of like holding it while the audience yeah. cracks up. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's masterfully done. Again, I think John Hughes and Chris Columbus kind of got drunk on this because you remember the Hundred and One Dalmatians live action film. Yes. Basically, the Hundred and One Dalmatians is two is thirds, it, two thirds <laughs> that like a, a sort of a, a slightly updated version of the animated. One and then the last act is home alone in a barn so you've got Glenn Close covered in mud and filth getting kicked by a horse and and, and it's not anywhere near as like well executed, especially because we didn't pay for that when we're watching the Dalmatian thing. So I, I it just didn't feel quite as right. And even though Glenn Close, bless her heart, like really got into that Cruella de Vil world. I I, I don't expect Emma Stone to to be kicked in the face by a horse quite so much for her turn. But uh, maybe she will. I don't know. They were fixated on the whole lightning in a bottle side of this, and it feel uh, over the nineties, and it feels like they were focused too much on the. Grown ups get hit and hurt. Mm. And again, it's not just the getting hurt. There's the actual physical, like, performances going on there. All of the slip sliding on the ice and the flinging their arms around. That's very, mm. like I said, silent movie. And just, and as I said, the impact of each one. Technically, it's not just that they're adults getting covered in soot, they are. <laughs> Getting when the paint cans come down the, the, the stairs and smash them in the face and they take that which is now become known in the stunt industry as the home alone fall when they fall on the uh, uh, micro machines that that sense of just like hanging in the air for a, a nanosecond before crashing down onto your back. Mm. All, like that there was a for a start there was a freshness and when you see that again and again like even home alone 2 couldn't quite uh, hit that although there is a bit in home alone 2 where um, Daniel Stern gets electrocuted by that sink and as you said Sharon that would just kill him but he's holding on to it giving that screamer but sustaining it so you go And then turns briefly into a skeleton, yeah and that is maybe my favourite of all of these but like I said like to, to constantly lean on that button throughout the 90s and try to keep arranging these cheap comedies like Beethoven was the same thing and it's like what if a family got a big dog mm. and it's like that's the comedy behind it yeah.
1: but I think if that's oh no
0: he's gotten all dirty if
1: that's what you're pursuing you've got to be able to follow through to the extreme because the whole point is this is Wiley e. Coyote in live action mm. if all you're going to do is somebody falling over in mud or ripping their trousers or something like that. It is not going to have the same yeah. sense of appeal.
0: Yeah. Beethoven was 1992, by the way. Immortal Beloved uh, was uh, a film uh, from 1994 that I reckon they really wanted to call Beethoven because it's about Beethoven. But because of this fucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I think uh, my favourite scream in this actually comes at the time when I, every time, leap up off the sofa and I I try to escape the room. It's the tarantula bit, because I am uh, arachnophobic. But I'm more arachnophobic in this than I am watching arachnophobia. Because the idea of getting... Even though I know a lot of the time it's rubber, that spider getting lowered down onto his face, and then his reaction of hysterical panic which spikes the mic and actually distorts the scream, is yeah. this sublime moment of just, if you weren't scared of spiders before, you might be now.
1: So for me, it's I mean, nails. For you, it's spiders. Yes.
2: Yeah. So a spider with a that- nail on it is the worst <laughs> for us. You see, but you see the spider, it gets he picks it up. And it, yeah. it's kind of... Because it's a tarantula, it's not like a horrible spindly spider, so I'm not quite so bad with them as I'm with, with a lot of spiders. It it up I up am.
0: Fucking hell, they've got hairy legs and they move those legs. Not, I'm yeah. not
2: great with them, but on a, on a TV screen I can cope. In real life, less so. But By the it picks way... It up and it lowers and there's this looming sort of music will sting and he puts it down and just gently plays it and there's just this silence yes, like a it half a nanosecond. Out. And then this <laughs> rush intake take a breath and this scream comes out, And it's just Oh, it makes me laugh my ass off every single
0: time. <laughs> no, I'm liking it's... Home Alone more just talking about it <laughs> than any previous time I've seen it.
2: Oh it's, it's just I mean, uh, you can you can have whatever your opinion of the overall film, but there are individual moments, mm. individual pieces, scenes, that are just absolutely priceless. Yeah. And it's, it's the performances of, of the people in it, it's the, the writing of it, it's everything about it, just comes together in those moments, and is just perfect. Whether you like the film as a whole or that much, I love it, as you know. I'm well aware of the fact it's not exactly The Godfather 2, but I still love it. <laughs> But Not exactly the, the Irishman. If... <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't really know anyone that doesn't like it, at least to some degree. Every, mm. you know, my family have watched it numerous times, and it just makes everyone howl after every time. And, and, and it's stuff like that. This, this blood-curdling scream when a <laughs> spider is on its face, even though I'm arachnophobic, still makes me piss myself every single time I watch it. It's uh, awesome.
0: Um... There's a a couple more things to to mention. One, they had a variety of cameras that they were using. One of them was like a, a cheap, light, little camera... Uh, that was like a backup camera, and that was the one that they sent down the chute, like in place of the iron. And they were finding that at the end of the day, especially after they were doing all the madcap stuff, that the, this little camera they had zooming around the place was getting the best footage in the film. So I think all of this liveliness that maybe John Hughes himself wouldn't have gone for had he done it. I mean, Claims, Trains, and Automobiles does have some crazy scenes, like when they go between those two trucks, and John Candy turns into the devil himself going, ah! <laughs> uh that's that's mad, but like the 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 energy of this little camera um ended up uh, you know making some of the the uh, you know powering the, uh, the the final scenes but there's other elements to the film which people either underestimate or forget about and and really kind of sometimes blindside you especially if you haven't seen the film for a while the uh, angels with filthy souls bit they keep the change filthy <laughs> animal. <laughs> That is such a classic bit of cinema that it's actually in Detective Pikachu. I don't know if you've seen this film yet, uh, uh, Matt. Not but Yeah. No. Okay. The kid goes into his dad's old house to to look for clues as to to where how his dad disappeared, and it's playing an old gangster film on the TV. And he switches it off. But it's Angels with Filthy Souls, a film that never existed. (laughs) And I noticed this time that Kevin watches it on an old pan and scan TV. So it's like the old cathode ray tube square. And... On the DVD, they've got the uh, the widescreen version of it, as though it was actually originally shot in in cinematic style. That's the version that turns up in uh, Detective Pikachu, which sells it as an actual movie. Because if they'd had it in a square, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have looked like we imagine movies to look which is an incredible piece of detail, both that they bothered to shoot it in widescreen originally for this uh, film to make it look like a film, um, uh, and also that in Detective Pikachu they didn't just want to go for the, the 80s TV look for that. That's one thing. And also because just that that is... Weirdly quotable, and So, I'm, going I'm to give gonna you give you to the to count of 10, ten to, to get, get your, your ugly, ugly, ugly yellow, no, no good no keister of my property before I, I pump you you your, your, your guts. All right, Johnny, right, I'm sorry. It's, it's so one,
3: horrible. Two, ten. I'm this
2: witch's cackle. It's just.
0: But Kevin, when he first sees keep it, the change, it keep the change, you filthy animal. Like they yes. use that to show Kevin's shit scared. He actually calls out for mom at that point, and he's watching an old like mom! angels with dirty. Fa- What's the original film called? Angels
1: with
2: dirty faces. Angels
0: crazy. with dirty. Fa- there was angels with filthy souls. Is that the? Hang on. Sorry about this.
2: Angels with filthy souls is the one in Home Alone. Okay. It was a- the title, Angels with Dirty Faces, I think, is what. I think where that's a got... Jimmy Cagney film. Isn't it? I believe so, yes.
0: With. Yeah, it's a 1938 American gangster film uh, starring Jimmy Cagney, like I said. Um, so that's why Angels with Filthy Souls feels like it could be real. Um, but like I said, Kevin's afraid of it, and he's afraid of the furnace. And he actually has to overcome that fear in order. Like, he starts off hiding under the bed, mm. and he just becomes not so much more cocky. But like he has to, like by the end, I don't want to use the word man up, but he has to defend his home and and that it it becomes kind of like a Western at that point. It's it's high noon. Mm. The exact phrase he uses, and this is one of John Williams' tracks, is man of the house. And like Batman, he ends up using his own fears, harnessing them to cause fear in others. And he's like, keep the change, you filthy animal, when he torments that pizza boy. In fact, if you're feeling super socialist and anti-establishment, check out Renegade Cut's take on Home Alone as white suburban revenge fantasy. It's fucking depressing, but it centers around the positioning of the defense of the home and the ridiculous lengths that Kevin goes to as being weirdly supportive of inflicting horrendous violence upon people who come into your home is something America has a bit of a problem with. Either way, maybe wait till after Christmas to watch this, so it's one for the sobering new year. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's this one kid up against uh, the rest of them. And, again, it keeps, keeps on with this Rube Goldberg thing, as in the whole film is this... Thing with the thing that kicks the boot that hits the chicken that lays the egg that falls into the thing that rolls down the thing that hits the other thing. doesn't make break breakfast at all. Oh, all it does is hit does you sh- in the face with a paint can. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And uh, yeah, to their credit, Home Alone 2 lost in New York. They... Uh, go a little further than that sometimes. There are bits where it's like, oh, I know what's going to happen, and they duck to the side of the paint cans and then get hit with that giant bar and then fall through the whole floor to the basement just to sort of punctuate and double up on that gag. Um, But then there is the church scene where old man Marley, the guy who apparently killed his whole family and uh, put them in an assault that he turns into mummies, uh, turns up and... They very specifically, I noticed this time because we were watching it on Blu ray. Old Man Marley's dressed in this really sweet old coat, and he's like, like, weirdly smartly dressed. So, just to sell that moment where, like, all of Kevin's fears kind of melt away in the face of, oh, actually, there's some grown up shit going on here, and, Mm. like, the whole, you know, I've been separated (laughs) from my family thing, it should hit me incredibly hard. I mean, people who listen to this podcast know about my family. Uh, estrangements and difficulties very much in particular with my father so it should really get to me it only gets to me in terms of my feeling empathetic and sorry for this for old man Marley and the uh, sense of like it, it doesn't get to me in that same way possibly because I just didn't really see the father son conflict there but that is the bit that blindsides you about this movie, especially as an adult. And yeah. uh, John Williams, that... Dun, 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 ...bit of music that yeah. they hold back until just at the right times. That stops being getting too syrupy.
2: Yeah. It's one of my favourite scenes, actually, that whole church section, because it's... Um, it is, you know... It, <laughs> Old man Marley, as in Jacob Marley, I'm guessing mm, is, is the oh, yeah. allusion uh, back to to a Christmas Carol. I don't know whether it's did it or not. But he he serves a couple of purposes. One, he's another thing that Kevin is scared of, because um, Kevin does the scream and runs into the house and all the rest. That he's he's it's another thing that he's scared of. It, it shows that Kevin is afraid and vulnerable. Um, but it also, uh, in addition to showing Kevin get over his fears, it also shows that Kevin. It teaches Kevin that you shouldn't judge everyone by. First appearances. Yeah. This this terrible, scary old man is actually not a scary. Old man, he's very, very nice, and he himself is scared of a lot of things. Um, and basically, Kevin, right from the beginning of the film, he's a cheeky little bastard, a uh, really lippy little sod, and he is basically viewing everyone else. Very, very one-dimensionally, and he's just seeing them as people being mean to him, not as people who are busy or who are tired or have got a lot of stuff to do or are worrying about how they're going to get everything sorted or everything packed. Um, and it's kind of that that growth moment. It's it's subtle, and maybe I'm reading really more into it than it is there. But that's also something that that character does. It's not just an empty um, an empty moment in a church. There's a, there's a real bit more depth to it than that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it kind of shows a kevin i think kevin realizes actually you know what not everyone is just being mean to me not everyone is horrible not everyone's scary but also wow this old man i thought he was just a scary old murderer he's actually upset i can give him some comfort you should talk to your son you should you know that's that's the obvious thing to do his kids logic just go the most direct route ring your son you know speak to your son but the whole that whole scene is nice it, it, it's like a moment of calm between the sort of the madcap craziness of the, the before it and the, the the real sort of meat and two veg carnage of the the mm. sort of the, the the last section yeah. um the they, music is lovely but you've got the carol of the bells and oh holy night which are beautifully done beautifully arranged and performed uh somewhere in my memory which is the, the, the theme to home alone which is John Williams. Anyone that's listened to me on any podcast probably mm-hmm. knows that I think John Williams is. But I love his work in pretty much everything. There's a laundry list of brilliance that of, of themes that he's done, and, and Home Alone is no no exception to that. Um, and the whole thing is just shot lovely. It's got this sort of real sort of warm glow to it, and then he's back out in the cold. It's dark. Um, and it's just, I do just. It's very distinct. Uh, part of the film. I, just, I don't know, I just get this kind of like, warm glow when, when I watch that bit. Yeah, I, I really do like it a lot.
0: I hadn't thought of, uh, uh, in exactly the way that you'd, you'd put it, but the whole child logic of just call him means that they trade off. The old man brings him some grown-up, okay, like there's complications and sometimes things don't work out, and the kid brings him the just... Okay. Yeah. Ro- let's, you're overthinking let's You're making it complicated
2: mm. and it isn't. Yeah. And he's going, you know, you're you're thinking it's simple. It's not. It is complicated. Think about it. And yeah, it, it's 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 a it's a perfect trade between two people. Hmm. Yeah back and forth absolutely Mm.
1: and kevin brings him a perspective at that point that could really only come from a child because the the point there is okay there is obviously conflict between you and your son we never get to find out what that conflict is and that's that's okay because ultimately there is a child to consider in this particular situation which is his granddaughter and ultimately if she is going to benefit from a relationship with him that's all that should matter
0: and the fact yeah. that he's old as well, he's uh, played by Roberts Blossom, who uh, died in 2011, um, uh, you know, it gives it a really lovely, dignified performance. But the fact that he's old, I think it's absolutely evoking the Christmas carol mm-hmm. because there's something about Scrooge's age. He feels like he's very close to the grave that's like, oh, we may as well just give up on this thing. Like, there's, there's nothing really left of him. May as well just while out the rest of his uh, meager days in solitude. But the idea that at Christmas, they could bend and be something more than that and actually bring themselves back to a place where they can enjoy life and other people around them you could end up seeing like, if old man marley lived another 21 years as long as robert's blossom that's a lot of time with his family and, and yeah. grandkid
2: yeah. i think that's the other thing again possibly kind a bit too deep into this one part but <laughs> um it, That's it's what we him, do. Him and, his, him and his son are being very, very selfish. They've both been very proud and selfish. Neither one of them wants to back down. And the person who's really getting hurt is the granddaughter because mm. she's lost her granddad. Mm. And Who that she obviously loves from the way she, she responds to him. She loves him when dearly. You, him. you can see the way she looks across mm. at him. And you can see the way at the end when, when they hug, it's a big, long, just tight. don't let go hug and that's you know i mean i lost my grand my, my last two grandparents early this year and so maybe it's got a little bit more poignant this time but you the connection you have with your grandparents should be a really close happy deep connection in this case it isn't and it's not because of anything this little kid's done it's not her fault at all it's her dad and her granddad being childish and and proud and silly and, and selfish um and it, it's you know it's it's more than just about him getting the relationship back with his granddaughter it's about her getting the relationship back with her granddad and that is is a is a, a relationship that lots of people well everyone eventually loses and it's one that you want to keep going for as long as possible so yeah. it, it it's it's a, it's a lot yeah i mean the first blush it's 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 really not that much to it but it's actually one of the, probably one of the deepest most powerful scenes in the film for me Absolutely, Um, out of lots of very poignant little moments but it's quite a big sort of key right in the middle, the whole thing pivots around it in a lot of ways.
0: That may have influenced me to, I I didn't want to deprive my daughter of a grandfather so I I was uh, very much, if you, not when he wants to see you, when you want to see him we'll let him know uh, when she starts asking and can even conceptualise I've got a grandfather I don't see, can I go see him? So we let him know they met at, uh, at his choice which was a gastronomic pub which is where you take a five year old <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, they, they hung out for a while, they ate gourmet uh, chips and, and like a, a hog roast or something some, some sort of pate we uh, you were there, wasn't. I wasn't uh, and then we left it to him to to get back in touch when he wanted to arrange something again, and, and like we left it to her like, if you ever want to, like, get see him again. And neither of them have ever been all that fussed. Mm. So, like I said, I, I wanted to make sure she had that opportunity, but she doesn't want to. And take she it.
1: knows if she ever decides mm. she wants to see him again. And I'll, seemingly, I'll, he's not his... the least
0: bit interested in her anyway, so fuck mm. him. <laughs> <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas, everyone.
1: <laughs> it's an entirely different
3: scenario. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, so Home Alone's good. I love it when those dudes get hit in the face with pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I think special praise needs to go to John Candy for just turning up and being John Candy, that uh, that incredibly affable way that he talks. I think it's probably worth us doing at least a quick review of Planes, Trains and Automobiles for a... Uh, thanksgiving is your head hurting Mm, i thought you were just like gripping your head because of the emotions of planes trains and automobiles because there's an emotional kick in that john hughes film that just fucking slays me Mm. i can't get to the end of that film dry eyed um (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that works – that functions as a Christmas film as well, folks. So if you've never seen that, track it down. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay. So um, –
2: John Candy was great. I think uh, yeah. he, he basically free of charge uh, and improvised pretty much the entire thing in one 23-hour day. Just <laughs> turned up, bugged it, the whole thing and, and bug it off again. And, again, it's another one of those it, – It's John Candy is amazing and and it's a brilliant part of the film it's funny yet it's also poignant in a really fucked up kind of way where he's talking about leaving the kid in the mortuary and all that and and (laughs) you see this connection and and Kate goes it's not just me I'm not the only one other people have done this as well. I don't feel quite so bad now. And then he gets to the end of his story, and he's like, "Oh for fuck's sake!" <laughs> so I'm much destroyed my child, uh, as, as he reveals the fact that it took like eight weeks for him to start talking again. Um, and, and yeah, it's great. And there's little, just just these little tiny little bits of humour firing off all over the place. John Candy's amazing.
0: Yeah, and, and Catherine O'Hara greatly- as well uh, as as the uh, I don't for some reason. Like, Catherine O'Hara does a fantastic, dramatic job, but Buzz sticks in everyone's head. Like, you've got all these other sisters and brothers uh, and cousins running around the place, but for some reason Buzz and his weird, like, enjoying, tormenting Kevin that goes on. He's got this, like, little gleam in his eyes. Uh, for some reason, stuck in, in everyone's heads. So uh, yeah. when uh, Kevin pulls down all of Buzz's shelves, there's that, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And
2: ha, ha, ha at the same time, Yeah. I mean, things it the whole film is, is basically Buzz's fault, actually, not just Buzz, but mostly Buzz for being a complete dick. Yeah. What well, about, about the if Buzz, pizza? If Buzz didn't deliberately eat a pizza, I mean, who? what kind of psychopath eats a plain cheese pizza if there's a different kind of pizza available? All
0: a plain on his own, just to antagonise Kevin.
2: Just to piss off Kevin, because he knows that's the only one Kevin likes. I like and the fact Pete that there's
0: a whole a black olive pizza just sitting there with no bastard eating it. Stop ordering <laughs> pizzas with just black olives.
2: <laughs> and Yeah, I mean, and the, the same in the second film. Buzz is just a, he's just a dick. He yeah. is a dick. He's a horrible older brother and he's just a he's just that's all. He's a very one-dimensional character. And he gets the, that's the job he's there to do. But mm-hmm. and then right at the end of this film, it never used to bother me. It used to be, "Oh, cool, they've you know, they've connected as brothers." Now I'm just like, "Kevin, you should have just told him to fuck off when he put his hand out. You didn't. It's pretty cool you didn't ruin that. Fuck you, Buzz. <laughs> fuck you fucking dick. I'm a, I am a man now. You're just a boy. Go on. Off you go."
0: <laughs> he should have <laughs> said that. "I am a man now. You're just a boy. Thanks for the spider." <laughs> <laughs> Which is Chekhov's spider? By the way, they do not miss a trick with going. Oh, remember the spider, folks! Remember the spider. Yeah. It's totally going to pay off, and my god, it does!
2: There's also a, a literal Chekhov's gun in this one because you see the BB gun frame that's on top left of one oh, thing. That's
0: Chekhov's BB gun. You'll shoot uh, your eye out.
2: Chekhov's BB gun is there. It's a bit of foreshadowing with that as
0: well. So, mm. I kind of want to watch Home Alone now. Now that we've talked about it so much, just just <laughs> go back in and watch it again. <laughs> it's rewarding.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay, um, I think that that I think that'll do like we, yeah. we ended up going for an hour rather than half an hour yeah. Yeah. but uh, just
2: one last one last thing i just, okay. uh, some of the people that were were originally sort of possibly going to play different roles okay. um, as <laughs> robert de niro as harry that would nope. have made it a very different film <laughs> uh,
0: i mean i can't imagine de niro Pratt falling yeah, mean he must have been in one think. film where I mean, he's john done
2: lovitz, john lovitz maybe um danny devito quite possibly DeVito uh, I could see yeah DeVito I think would have worked I mean, Bob Hoskins Rowan Atkinson would have been a very different Harry but I guess that could have worked mm. Phil Collins apparently at one point I'm not sure about that one mm. um, and then you've got I mean for, for Buzz Keanu Reeves at one point
0: what, what the hell <laughs> hey I'm your 44 year old older brother
2: he wasn't 44 <laughs> that been a- I know but that's, that's
0: the number I pick on for a specifically way too old person <laughs>
2: but yeah there was a lot of a lot of names of well, how how true they were but um i mean peter you've got Michael Douglas Kevin Costner Martin Sheen Dan Aykroyd John Travolta Bill Murray Jim Belushi Chevy Chase Harrison Ford Tom Hanks Mel Gibson Sylvester Stallone apparently how many of these are actually true (laughs) but the thought of (laughs) Sylvester Stallone or Arnie playing Kevin's dad would would have just made it a very very entertaining what what
0: an extremely expensive role for a guy who's disinterested the whole time
2: (laughs) I know yeah I mean there's a lot of there's a big list of names if you go on IMDB and and if you're looking into there's a lot of big big list of names i'm, I'm
0: assuming schwarzenegger was like i must do a christmas movie get me one of those i will and be terrible man
2: so there's a certain amount of evidence that it may be true um but yeah i mean there's, there's i'm sure some of those are doing mean, kate was gonna be played by kirsty alley at one point and she turned it down to do look who's talking to which is possibly not a good move yeah
0: um, she looked back on that and went no she would have been good as as uh, Catherine O'Hara as well yeah I do yeah I love I think, the fact well, that Catherine O'Hara got that because she's such a shit mum in Beetlejuice she gets to be a, like a a, a who thinks she's terrible in this but ultimately isn't question mark I mean she, she's so guilty about it as soon as it happens and it like it's it's from being flustered and distracted amidst extreme distraction and fluster—that's—and mm. uh, she blames herself overmuch for it. And and also, like I said, Ke- Kevin is okay, but um, but yeah, to, to get to see a play, a mother who at least doesn't care in Beetlejuice, a stepmom mm. uh, to to then playing uh, this, and she also ends up as in two of these incredibly. Uh, seminal Christmas works because she is, of course, Sally in Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah. She may have been part of my inspiration to decide I only wanted to have one child in the end. Actually. Oh, like, if I only got the one, I know I'm not going to lose her.
0: <laughs> <coughs> yeah. I suppose if you're a, a, a potential parent to be watching this film as an adult, you're just like, you know, just one. Well, yeah. Because, I mean, there's so many yeah. of them.
1: Like, both sides of the family have like
2: four kids, don't yeah. they? It's crazy. There's, there is a lot of kids, and there's what, there's, I think there's eight, eight nine kids in yeah.
0: total? Loads. Uh, apparently, when, when Joe Pesci went to bite off Kevin's fingers at the end before getting snow-shovelled by Al from Die Hard, um, he actually <laughs> sank his teeth into Macaulay Culkin's finger. He's still got a scar to this day of oh Joe God. Pesci's <laughs> teeth. There's some method acting he, for you
1: said this is probably the only role that Joe Pesci's not a complete psycho in I take that back
0: again <laughs> the kitchen knife was right there it's like you motherfucker kid
1: oh. <laughs> god you weirdo Yep
0: yeah. It almost would have worked if, if Joe Pesci had been playing the Marv role. Like, he plays a man-child in a film called Gone Fishing, uh, and uh, Robert De Niro had been playing the much more angry role. Mm. Um, that would have been better, worse? I don't know, but it would have been like a, a Pratt Goodfellas.
2: <laughs> Very good that he did do it, because I don't think they, either Columbus or, or Hughes, thought he would, would do it originally. Yeah. And so I think, that's why they were looking at a lot of other people. But um, Those two yeah, really, really, really films did.
0: came out within two months of each other. Jesus.
1: <laughs> what, Goodfellas and Home Alone?
0: <laughs> Goodfellas, September 1990. Home Alone, November 1990. So
1: maybe he was filming them simultaneously and doing Home Alone. Just driving like, back
0: and forth, his well, letting off steam. <laughs> I
1: was going to say, that's that's his release. From How am I fucking funny? The
0: and then he right. goes and falls over on some steps <laughs> yeah. and burns his hand on a, 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 a doorknob. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, that's Home Alone, folks. And uh, it's it's a riot, from the silence from the sounds of it. Uh, we've, uh, like I said, they kind of want to do a Home Alone. I do, at some point, want to see Home Alones 3 and 4. But I think the actual spiritual successor to this, the only one which has that sense of physical comedy and two people who have enough dignity to, when they have it removed in a, in an old house... It actually maintains the comedy. Do you know which one I'm thinking of, Sharon? I'll hum the tune for you. Mouse hunt. Wow, she got it immediately. Yeah. Mouse hunt. Nathan Lane and Lee Evans. Uh, move into the crappy old house owned by their crazy father, who has now passed away. And they want to sell it, and they can't wait to get rid of it. Uh, and then they find out that it's actually worth a real huge amount of money, and they try to fix it up. But there's a mouse there, and it's his home, and he's trying to 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 not get killed by them, but ends up effectively becoming Kevin McAllister, but with ears. Kevin's got ears. But with a little tail. <laughs> <laughs> So, so
1: yeah, can,
0: can have a uh, It's available on uh, uh, Amazon Prime to uh, watch. Yeah. So uh, if you want to really catch good. it,
1: very very funny.
0: For yeah, you. cool. Okay, folks, uh, that was uh, Home Alone, and we will see you for some more Christmas fun at some point next year. Thank you very very much to Matt Ramsey.
2: You're welcome. It's been great to be here.
0: So we're going to leave you with the wonderful music of Mr. John Williams. So I've been Alex Shaw.
1: I've been Sharon Shaw.
0: And school's Seven. out.